0: back to every version ever. My name is Jonathan North, and in today's episode, we're mining the archives of my YouTube channel for podcast content. Long before I started podcasting, I would sometimes collab with Rachel Wagner, and we'd basically make a podcast. We'd talk about a bunch of different things, and then I'd cut up the discussion for videos on my channel. Well, today I'm putting those videos back together. Sort of. During the Christmas season in 2017, 2018, and 2019, Rachel introduced me to a bunch of different versions of A Christmas Carol, so I'm taking a bunch of those conversations and putting them back together into one long podcast. Back in July, I took about half of them and made a podcast strictly focusing on, like, gender-swapped Hallmark-esque versions of the story. They weren't all from Hallmark, but they all had that flavor, if you know what I mean. If you missed that episode, be sure to check it out as well. But today we're talking about four wildly different takes on A Christmas Carol. There's no overarching theme like the last one, they're all just super different. One is a classic from 1951 starring Alistair Sim, and the rest are all over the place, featuring Rowan Atkinson as Ebenezer Blackadder, Mr. Magoo, and even Barbie. Yes, the doll from Mattel. We've got a lot of ground to cover, so let's start with the first version Rachel and I ever talked about, Barbie's Christmas Carol.
1: me be on your channel first of all and I have a fondness for the Barbie movies I've reviewed seven of them on my channel and they're kind of a I don't know I guess you maybe you could say they're a guilty pleasure but I have no guilt I enjoy them and the the thing about the Barbie movies is you kind of just have to accept the fact that the animation isn't great and so you just have to be like okay you know that's that's it and uh, and some people can't get over that and other people like me can. Uh, but the other production values are pretty strong. I think the voice cast is good. I think the music is really good, particularly in this one. I think all the carols are really strong and well sung, well arranged. A lot of times they have symphony orchestras doing, doing the, the music, uh, which I like. And uh, I, I just thought they had some creative choices that they made in this that I thought were interesting and that I liked. So uh, was this your first time ever seeing a Barbie movie?
0: Yes, I, that's just not something that I ever would have thought to seek out and watch on my own. Maybe if I had, was babysitting a kid or something that liked it, I would have seen it, but Barbie was not something that ever crossed my radar. So what did,
1: what did you think? What was your, uh, your overall opinion of the film?
0: My initial thought was, this is surprisingly watchable. <laughs> right? <laughs> it, it was not horrible. It wasn't yeah. I wouldn't say it was amazing, but sure. I it was not as bad as I would have thought it might be. The there was some acting that was a little iffy and the there was one thing that I did hate about the movie. I hated that cat. Chuzzlewit or whatever his name was. He was like a really bad Lucifer from Cinderella Ripoff and he was ugly. And I was just like, why don't they get rid of this cat? I would have liked it a lot better without the cat. <laughs> Fair enough. I can understand that. The animation, I thought, it wasn't great, but it was passable. The only, mm-hmm. the only thing that I really didn't like, I didn't cat. like the cat. And the animals weren't, none of the animals, I would say, were as good as the people. They had the people done a lot better than the animals. It was just... Better than I thought, I guess.
1: Hey, there you go. I'll take it. I'll take it. So it starts out with Barbie telling Kelly uh, the Christmas Carol story, and of course, because of course, you can't have Barbie being Scrooge. Like that's just, it's just not right, you know. Like Barbie is Barbie and super positive and everything. So you have to. That's kind of the their workaround on that. And uh, so she's telling the story to Kelly and it, it starts out with a, a diva opera diva named uh, eden and uh, eden believes in a selfish world only the selfish survive so she has this very cynical view of the world she treats her uh, everybody in her crew and everything for her opera act she treats them terrible including her friend Catherine who uh, she's very suspect that Catherine is, like, working for another crew on the side. And obviously, so you've got Catherine being sort of the Bob Cratchit character. And one of the things that I think is unique about this one is that both the Bob Cratchit character and the Marley character are both people that that Eden grew up with. Basically, the uh, you have her Aunt Marie is the Marley character, and she was basically Eden's mother figure in her life. And I can't think of really that many other examples of Cratchit's that, like, she grew up with Catherine her whole life, and she grew up with Mar- with Marley as her mom. I can't think of that many other other examples of it being that long of a relationship that, with those two characters. What did you think of of that?
0: I thought it was... A really good way to make this a more unique version. Uh-huh. Um, the fact that Scrooge is female was already really unique, but this was even more. Like they made most of the characters female, which I thought was a good way to put their own spin on it. Yeah. And I I liked the characters, uh, liked and hated. I did not like Marley, but you're not supposed to like the Marley character. For sure. Yeah. The the evil ant, <laughs> but. I thought she was a good character anyway.
1: Because uh, Marie believes that she's just determined that Eden is going to become famous and is going to become a opera singer. And so she just says, you have to practice. You can't have any distractions at all in your life. And uh, I really thought it was a clever choice that when Marie comes as Marley, instead of the cash boxes and everything like that, she has mirrors on the chains, which I thought was really kind of clever.
0: Yeah. I liked that touch. And I liked, I liked the way they were animated sort of floating around her instead of dragging on the floor. It was a good way to set her ghost apart from other ghosts that you've seen.
1: Yeah. And she's a very, you know, manipulative, very kind of pretty intense character for this kind of film, I feel. So uh, past comes and it's a, a little, little girl. And she's, like, this ultimate, like, fangirl of Eden, which I thought was, again, kind of a clever choice. And so I think uh, this movie does well, is that that they make interesting choices. And it's not just completely by-the-books Christmas Carol. They do some different things, which I like.
0: I have to say, the ghost of Christmas past was probably my least favorite of the ghosts because of her accent. (laughs) Like, oh, okay. none of none of the characters have real accents, but most of them are passable English accents. This one just sounded like really bad Cockney. Okay. <laughs> and it just, it yeah. kind of took me out of it the whole time.
1: Yeah. I just thought, I thought that was kind of, like, I, I haven't seen any other versions of Christmas Cow where, like, one of the ghosts is, like, a huge fan of Scrooge. Like, I thought that was kind of clever. And, yeah. <laughs> And then we get a pretty pretty traditional, obviously, female take on present. And Eden gets to see what Catherine has actually been doing in terms of she's not working for another show or another singer. She's actually helping out this orphanage. And they, they, they do have one of the orphans is named Tim. So it's obviously that's your tiny Tim.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she also sees her crew uh, as part of present and sees them you know, complaining and throwing tomatoes at pictures of Eden and stuff like that because she's making them work on Christmas and she's just such, you know, such a difficult employer. And then we get Christmas future. And I really thought that this was a clever choice that they make because what they do is they basically have Catherine end up, end up becoming kind of bitter. And she ends up taking the philosophy of, in a selfish world, the selfish succeed. So she becomes like Eden, and she becomes this, like, you know, this famous designer, but she's just really, like, horrible and awful. And I thought that was kind of clever, the idea of, like, Bob Cratchit character in the story becoming Scrooge. I've never seen that before.
0: Yeah, no, that was the first time I've seen a version like that i I did not expect that to happen i I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like it was clever, but I kept thinking, Would she really do this? It did seem kind of out of character, but I guess if enough time had passed and enough bad things had happened in your life it's it's very plausible that you could turn bitter and become what you once despised,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's a plausible take. And, and I think in a way, like, future is, is, I don't know if it's supposed to be 100% realistic. Like, it's supposed to be kind of the worst, almost the worst version of what could happen. Uh, and uh, to kind of really scare, uh, in this case, Eden, scare the Scrooge character and get them to really finally let go of that final yeah, ounce of pride that's still sort of left and become humbled and, and everything and uh so yeah i mean this is not my favorite barbie movie but i don't know i think it's i think it's entertaining and i think uh it makes like i said makes some interesting choices so it's one that i enjoy
0: yeah i like i said it was surprisingly watchable it had some really good stuff in there there was not much that i really didn't like just mainly the cat is what i really didn't like (laughs)
1: What did you think of the music? Did you like it? The carols?
0: Actually, the music was probably the best part of this whole thing, because I was pretty much shocked at how good the music was. Like, I did not expect to have, like, a full-on opera singer, and I don't know if she's a professional opera singer, whoever does Eden's voice, but she was actually really good, and I was really surprised.
1: This is really good, and I I do think it's a, I don't know if it's the London Symphony Orchestra, but it's like a full symphony orchestra that they get for these Barbie movies, and you can tell, it sounds really good.
0: Yeah, the music was probably the best part, like I said, it was was just surprisingly amazing. In 2017, the first year of my channel, Rachel and I talked about three different versions Barbie's Christmas Carol, which you've just heard, Adiva's Christmas Carol, which you can listen to on our podcast from July, and the 1951 version, simply called Scrooge, starring Alastair Sim. I'd never heard of this one at the time, but once I watched it, I could totally see why it had become a classic.
1: widely considered the best version of Christmas Carol uh, by you know whoever makes those decisions is widely considered (laughs) the best version and uh, it's interesting because the actor Alistair Sims was a comedic actor he was a a comedian and I I think you can do two things with with a traditional Scrooge story with a traditional Christmas Carol you can either kind of have a twinkle in your eye kind of a thing, sort of an approach, and that can be very successful, and I like it. Or you can go all out evil Scrooge, and not, because the book doesn't have the twinkle in the eye. That is not accurate to the book. The book describes him as being a sniveling, evil, like just horrible person. There's no twinkle. And, but this definitely does the twinkle in the eye. And I think he does such a good job uh, with kind of, Uh, It's sort of a sarcastic version. Another one that's sort of the sarcastic take on Scrooge is, uh, it's definitely the George C. Scott version. Uh, But this Alistair Sims does a good job with that. And, you know, when you take something to the, uh, to a feature film, especially a a book is short and as familiar as Christmas Carol, you kind of have to, I think, expand it a little bit and put your own stamp on it a little bit. I'm not a true, a traditionalist that everything has to be exactly like the book, and uh, so they do some interesting things in this one, I think. And uh, so, what did you think of Alster Sims as Scrooge?
0: I thought he was really good, and I wasn't sure at the beginning, but he definitely kept growing and growing on me, and I, I really liked him by the end. He's he was probably he's probably one of my favorite actors to play Scrooge. He was just yeah. really good. I thought he had a lot yeah. of. I don't know, nuance, maybe you could say. He was just, he played it so well.
1: Yeah, very sincere, very, uh, just, uh, just a very a character that you want to follow and you, you want to like. He was very good. And uh, this version is also just so handsomely produced. The cinematography is gorgeous. The way it uses light and shadow and everything like that is just beautiful.
0: Yeah, I thought that everything looked really good. Especially cuz previously I had been watching other black and white ones with Sarah, mainly the silent ones. They never they never looked good. They were just kind of passable. They were like yeah. a step above a stage play, I guess you could say. They they didn't do a whole lot as far as set design or cinematography and i get it it was the early days of cinema so i there are probably not many people doing that at that point but because that's what i had been watching and what i had been associating black and white versions of a christmas carol with this one was kind of a pleasant surprise to see yeah. how well they did that yeah
1: yeah it really is beautiful in this version they spend a lot of time with past What I really think is interesting is you get to see uh, the little fan, and uh, but she's actually not little. She's actually older than Scrooge in this version. In this version, Scrooge's mother dies in childbirth. His mother says, you know, take to the father, like take care of the baby, take care of Ebenezer, whatever. And uh, and then you see later on that uh, that fan uh, has the same thing happen. To, to her, she dies in childbirth, having a nephew, Fred. And, uh, and Scrooge, she says, she says, please take care of, of you know, the baby. Please, please, Scrooge. And please, Ebenezer. And he, but he like storms out. And so it's kind of an interesting thing. Like he realizes through the visit of the past that he realizes he did the same thing uh, to Fan that his father had done to him, you know, that, to his mother and uh, that he treated him with the same sort of disdain that his father had treated him. And I thought that was really an interesting and lovely sort of way to flesh out his character.
0: Yeah, I I really liked the backstory and I really liked how they explained why Scrooge treated his nephew like he did because of his close relationship with his sister who died having his nephew. I thought that was just a really great, I don't know if twist is the right word, but is, had any other versions done that before? Because that's not, that's not something that I was totally familiar with. And it has been so long since I've read the book. So maybe it was from the book. I'm not sure. But I don't, I don't remember this.
1: In the book, Fran is, is younger than Scrooge. So obviously his mom didn't die in childbirth having him, uh, but his father's very bitter and, and whatever. And, and uh, so then this is a different take, but I, I think it, I like it I think it's good. And they also are a little bit more clear in this version about sort of the Christianity that's a part of the book. They talk about how he is he's not just ignored like a, a pleasant holiday, but that he has ignored Jesus Christ and his gift. And uh, And then Tiny Tim, it makes it very clear when he talks about hoping that the people will remember who died on the cross and uh, you're supposed to basically the it's it's a way to sort of show uh this whole story is about kind of not only in the book the story is not just about somebody ignoring a pleasant holiday it's it's about scrooge has turned his back on christ and has turned his back on it's it's very clear. And so that's also part of sort of this redemption story is him not only is, is it coming back to his coming back to faith, not just celebrating Christmas. And uh, so I like that in this and you get your present and, uh, and present tells Scrooge, the child born in Bethlehem, he does not live in men's heart one day a year, but in all the days you have chosen not to seek him in your heart. Therefore, you shall come with me and seek him in the hearts of men of goodwill. will. So they are pretty forward about sort of that religious element of the story.
0: Maybe it's because I haven't read the book in so long, but I wasn't, I wasn't really thinking about that being such a big part of the story. And like I said, it's been so long since I read the book. I really, I should have read the book before I started this whole series, but, I liked how they did it in this version. They did it in such a way that it didn't feel like they were shoehorning it in. Because most of the time when there's like a religious message in a movie, it always feels like it's kind of being forced into the movie. And it doesn't feel genuine enough. But I... I thought that they did a really good job of putting it in this movie and making it feel like this is legitimately something that should be part of the story
1: yeah yeah and you see Alice at this poor house and what's happened to her and uh, and her serving and everything and uh, I don't know there's just a lot of just emotional scenes and and I think they they do have some of that dialogue like the quote I just read but I, I think they sort of Show the the religious aspect of the story without it, I don't think without it being like too preachy, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's just it's just moving in the end. It just adds this extra sort of layer to the story. And yeah. uh, I mean, if I was gonna fault this movie at all, maybe they spent too long in past. Uh, but I I don't know. I just think it's so beautifully made. It's scary. Like the scares are legit. And
0: I was kind of surprised was, at how dark it got at a couple points. Yeah.
1: It, it, it gets really dark, and the sound
0: design, especially like the sound effects for when Marley is coming, that yeah. was like really haunting, and I I really enjoyed how creepy that was.
1: Yes, it's really creepy, and I love the 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 way that uh, I I know even the way that Marley looked, the way he's kind of translucent for that era. I think it looked pretty good. Yeah. special effects. You know, they did a great job. Alistair Sims is so strong. I really also like the Cratchits in this. I really like Tiny Tim in this. I Please. was
0: surprised at how much I like Tiny Tim because I'm, I'm kind of picky when it comes to child actors. Like, uh-huh. I, people like to... People give kids a pass because they're cute. And I, it just annoys me when they have an adorable kid in movies and they can't say their lines realistically for anything. But this Tiny Tim was so good. I just, I really yeah. liked all of his kids, but Tiny Tim just. It, maybe it's because I've. It's a kind of a low bar, but I was just blown away by how good Tiny yeah, Tim is was. Really
1: but I think this almost feels like a Hitchcock film. It's just so well made. It's so well. Uh, it's just beautiful to watch. It's emotional. I think it works and uh, well acted. Well, I mean, it's just a. A Academy Award worthy film and yeah. Uh, so yeah it's it's a great holiday classic uh, and yeah it's my favorite except of the traditional versions but uh, I, I mean, it's hard for me to find there are, there are like two versions of Christmas Carol I don't like but for the most part I, I like on some I can enjoy watching almost every version I just love the story of redemption and that there's yeah. no lost causes in this crazy world we live in and that anybody can change and and uh, and
0: i think that's probably one reason why i like this story so much is because i've said for years i'm just a sucker for redemption stories i love it when a bad guy becomes a good guy it's just it's just one of my favorite tropes i guess you could say i just i love it and this is one of the quintessential versions of that trope i just i really like it
1: yeah and also, I do love the way that this movie uses carols. It kind of underscores the religious themes, yeah. but also it, it's just really effective in, in, in sort of underscoring the idea of repentance and atonement and, and redemption yeah. and all that. It's really good.
0: Yeah, the music the music that they had in this movie was just perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, I agree.
1: He's kind and generous to the sick. It
0: may- spread a nasty he never gets on people's week. And toilet you In 2018, Rachel and I covered two more versions together, and they were as wildly different as possible, starting with Blackadder's Christmas Carol. I asked her for something different, and she delivered. For those who may not know, Blackadder is a historical Britcom starring Rowan Atkinson as several people throughout history. This special Christmas episode ended up serving as more of a parody than an actual adaptation. It actually plays out almost as an exact reverse of the story, with our Scrooge character, Ebenezer Blackadder, beginning the story as sickeningly good, as described by his theme song, and over the course of his ghostly trips through time, he is accidentally convinced to become a horrible miser.
1: one would be fun because it's so different you'd ask for eclectic unusual versions and so i thought this one would be fun fun one for you to add to your series
0: yeah it's basically the exact opposite of a normal christmas carol
1: yeah I think at least it's super funny. I mean humor is very subjective, but these are some of the best British comic minds ever. Like they're next to Monty Python, they're they're probably number 2. This grouping, they just <laughs> really are funny, I think. And it's basically the whole point of it is to show the black adder that mean people have all the fun. That's kind of the point of it. <laughs> you should stop being so nice. <laughs> And so it plays up on a lot of not only Christmas Carol tropes, but just sort of, I don't know, sentimental British Christmas storytelling kind of things. Really funny. All the performances are hilarious. Uh Pauline Melville, though, is Mrs. Scratchit with her giant son, is probably my favorite. (laughs) Uh, She's hilarious.
0: I just like the name Mrs. Scratchit. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, and everybody, uh, Miriam Margulies, Jim Broadbent, hilarious as Prince and Queen Victoria. They're really mm-hmm. funny. Um, if you've only ever seen Robbie Coltrane in Harry Potter, it's really fun to see him here in this role. And uh, he's, uh, his magic is hilarious. You get Hugh Laurie, Stephen Fry, Miranda Richardson, Tony Robinson. They're all hilarious. You know, if you're just in the mood for something, something different and to laugh, then this is a good choice. I mean, just hilarious lines like I love, I want a present. Give me something nice and shiny. And if you don't, I've got something nice and shiny for you. It's called an X."
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot of really random and hilarious things in this. (laughs) the whole scene with going into the future but it was like an extreme far future <laughs> like so far beyond what you would expect it was like doctor who except even weirder
1: yeah i now that i've seen doctor who and i first saw this i hadn't i kind of do think they were sort of playing even up on that a little bit i think
0: they, I think they might have sure. been
1: yeah I mean, just great lines. Like, I love Baldrick. You wouldn't see a subtle plan if it painted itself purple and danced naked on top of a harpsichord, singing, Subtle plans are here again. <laughs> it's a fist. It's for hitting people with. <laughs> the great thing is, you can use it again and again and again. Just Did you have a favorite part? Was the future part your favorite?
0: Probably, but there was a lot of really hilarious stuff in this. And, like, all the performances were great. There were so many great weird hilarious scenes yeah Yeah. I really like Miranda Richardson one of my favorite Alice Wonderland versions she's the queen of hearts okay so she's she always gives a great performance and I really liked her in this
1: I also loved how people just came into his store and just kept stealing things like they would take his chicken and his Christmas tree and his I that was really funny so And written by Richard Curtis, who you will recognize from doing a lot of romantic comedies. He did Bridget Jones's Diary. He did For Weddings and a Funeral, Naughty Hill, Love Actually. And a great British show called The Vicar of Dibley, which I love.
0: Oh, yeah. I like that show, too. Yeah. Yeah. If you like British humor and utterly ridiculous things, then you'll probably like this one.
1: Yeah and there's a whole black adder show which you can get on DVD.
0: I think I might have seen a couple episodes but I'm not like completely familiar with it. I know that it's like historical based and it's following this one guy through history or like not the same guy. I'm not I'm not entirely sure of the concept. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, they call it a pseudo-historical British sitcom. <laughs> so yeah, it's basically like an excuse for these funny guys to like go through history and make fun of stuff. And mm-hmm. they have like, they have a famous episode where uh, Rowan Atkinson is Hitler. And I mean, they they can be very very uh, <laughs> off-color and and outrageous mm-hmm. uh, for sure.
0: I would say it's not for everyone. I was telling my cousin Sarah and. In- she was like, tell me how it is. And if it's not too dirty, then then maybe I'll watch it. While I was watching, I was thinking, I don't think Sarah will want to watch this. Oh,
1: you think it's too dirty?
0: <laughs> uh, for her, yeah. Oh, okay. It's subtle. It's very innuendo-based. Yeah, yeah. There's a so, lot of it. That's true. A lot of it, I'm not even sure I understood what <laughs> they are
1: talking about.
0: Because it's so British. But, so, a lot
1: of the humor, it's just them... Calling each other stupid, which is funny. Like, yes, unless I'm very much mistaken, you're the winner of the round Britain's shortest, fattest, dumbiest woman competition. And for her to be accompanied by the winner of this year's stupidest accent award is really quite overwhelming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there was there were some great insults once he finally turned yeah. mean.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Stephen Fry and Hugh Larry are just hilarious. If you've only seen Hugh Larry as house, Like, you're really missing out on... I mean, I know that show has some humor, but he really can be hilarious. And there's a great show called um, Jeeves and Wooster. Yeah, I've I've
0: seen that. Actually, Sarah likes that show. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) She's she's the one who introduced that one to me. me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely out there, and humor is super subjective, so not everybody will like it, Mm -hmm. but i don't know i feel like almost everybody will have at least one one joke that'll make them laugh especially if you if you like like monty python uh kind of british dry wit then you'll love it yeah that's i think the level the level of humor and, and mm-hmm. tawdriness and things like that
0: and so. absurdity yeah <laughs> i mean monty python's probably a little more absurd but this was still pretty absurd in places
1: yeah It's just a really funny show, and it's a really funny little special. It's just 42 minutes, and uh, yeah, if you're just tired of all of the goo that's going to get at Christmas, (laughs) especially in my life, uh, then this is a good one to uh, put on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this would definitely be an antidote if you were sick of the holiday cheer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will we have a gander and some razzleberry dressing? A razzleberry dressing
1: would be nice. Will we have a pudding made of liver while we're guessing? Or maybe razzleberry dressing twice?
0: The other version Rachel and I talked about in 2018 was a lot closer to the source material. Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Apparently a Christmas classic for some people, but like the Alastair Sim version, I'd never heard of it before Rachel introduced it to me. We've been so awful good
1: From me down to the baby And we're not made of wood Or razzleberry gravy
0: Okay, so let's talk about Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Yes. So what what is it that made you want to talk about this one?
1: Because I genuinely love it. I think it's a really sweet, charming version of the story and i think the animation is really fun i really like it i like how geometric it is and like the style of it i think it's really cool and it was a staple on television for years years and years the songs are all done by julie stein and bob merrill who did a lot of broadway shows like funny girl and bells are ringing songs like that so i i just really like it i think it's kind of underrated so i figured let's get the word out
0: Yeah, I don't think I'd really heard of it before I started looking into all the different versions of a Christmas carol there were. So I was kind of surprised to find out that it was like famous at one oh, point.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And apparently, from what I was reading today, it was like the first Christmas special. Like it predates even Rudolph. Yep. I, that's, that was another surprise for me. I think it would. You'd think it'd be more f- well-known these days if it was that famous at one point, but...
1: Yeah, what do you think of it?
0: I liked it. I don't... I wouldn't say that I loved it, but I did enjoy it. The songs, for the most part, I thought were kind of forgettable, but I did like the one with the Cratchits in the Cratchits' house. That was probably my favorite. The one where...
1: The raspberry Juice? <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> And that was another thing that I I kind of found out was sort of a weird anomaly that raspberry is a flavor now, but it only became a flavor after this.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it was so really it's famous. like
0: raspberry and blackberry mixed together, but yeah. it wasn't a thing until after this special aired. <laughs> special kind of invented something. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I like raspberry juice, but I also I really like "Winter Is Warm." I think that's a really nice song. And I, I even think the despic- where the despicables is fun. You know, it's interesting because they, they, they make the choice of having present first, then they do past. And I'm not sure why they did that, but I don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. You go right to the crotch. It's like they were dying to sing Rattleberry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, it starts out, some people, I guess, are a little bit sensitive to Mr. Margu. I've never really seen the show. I've just seen this. Mm -hmm. uh but uh because i guess it can be kind of insulting to people uh with um i don't know what's the proper word but but anyway uh visually impaired and but in this case with this short it really it's only the very beginning that you see him like crash and then he goes into this theater and from then on it's not really the Mister Ragu character at all. It's just, it's just Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really no more of him being blind or anything like that. So if there's any concern about that, then it's really not. But I don't know. I just really. What do you think of the animation? Did you like it?
0: Yeah, it was very of the times. It it felt really like something out of the sixties because different eras of animation have different looks, and this really looked like something out of the sixties.
1: I really dug it. I love the I love the backgrounds, particularly when the Ghost of Future comes and you see it, it looks almost like a Picasso, I think in the background. I really like it. Um, I don't know, I just think it has that cool sort of Art Deco Cubanism kind of feel to it that I think looks neat. That introduction with all the cars and the music, it almost feels something out of uh, Rhapsody of Blue in um, Fantasia 2000.
0: Oh yeah. It's yeah. really
1: cool, the movement and the, I I like it and you know it's interesting because the Flintstones Christmas Carol is actually pretty solid it's pretty good and in that one it's also a play <laughs> but in that one it's not just them watching the play they're kind of coming in and out and in and out and the, the Fred is the is the Scrooge character uh and so they're kind of interesting ones to watch back to back <laughs> so watch Flintstones and then this uh you kind of get different styles and but yeah, I think it has a nice heart to it. It captures most of the emotion that you need for the Christmas carol. Um, I, I I really do actually like the songs. Um, but yeah, Razzleberries is like totally randomly fun. Uh, the voice cast is all nailing it. Jim Backus as Scrooge slash Mister McGoo is really fun. Paul Fries is fun in it. He has he plays bezziwig and a whole bunch of other characters i mean it it stays aside from switching to present being first it stays pretty close to the story i think
0: Yeah, i noticed it seemed like some of the lines even were taken if not verbatim like very close to from the book like they were sticking very close to what was actually said in the book as well as what happened
1: yeah, I mean, the idea is this is supposed to be them watching a big Broadway premiere. So I think mm-hmm. that's why they got Broadway professionals, you know, to come and the songs feel very, like, show tunes.
0: I kind of felt like the, the whole play thing wasn't really needed. It sort of bookended the special. Mm-hmm. And then, the like, you could tell where the commercial breaks were because the curtains would close and then reopen. yeah. But other than that, it kind of felt like they didn't really need it. It could have just been the story straight with these characters. Like, I'm not really that familiar with Mr. Magoo either, so it didn't. It wouldn't have mattered to me if I knew who Mr. Magoo was and knew that he was playing this character. It, yeah. it wouldn't have mattered to me if it had been with the player without it.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, they have lines that I appreciate in a version for kids that they include the decrease the surplus population line. They have Tim talking about being a cripple and Jesus and helping people remembered. A lot of times those sections are kind of softened for kids and I appreciate that they kept them in. Um, You also have the Despicables, which sometimes those are softened. the pawn shop scene is pretty much included the whole scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of times that's sort of skipped over for kids, which I appreciate. Uh, you know that they include that i guess a, a criticism that i might have is that the um the spirits seem to have no purpose they just kind of take mm-hmm. him there and they don't really teach him a whole lot he just kind of it's more the songs and some of the characters and her things and it's not like a if you're looking for an uproarious comedy then that's not this mm-hmm. this is pretty straightforward christmas carol sentiment and sweetness and everything like that so if you're yeah. gonna laugh a lot this is not that funny
0: yeah, this is this isn't this didn't feel like it was supposed to be a comedy. It felt like it was supposed to be a, basically a straight adaptation of the story. Yeah. Just the only thing that they I guess added to it was to make it a musical and have Mr. Magoo play Scrooge. Other than that, it felt like pretty much the story that it's supposed to.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people would find it really charming. I think people would like it. Mm-hmm. It's not that, you know, not that long and it's not scary so if you're worried about some versions being too scary for kids because like mickey is pretty scary and some of the other versions are pretty scary uh in this one even though you have the the despicables it's more silly and and so it's not scary yeah even the
0: end at the grave it wasn't played like it was supposed to be terrifying it was more sad than anything like he was like super remorseful by his grave rather than being terrified at what might become of him. Yeah,
1: exactly. and uh, So I, I think it's a good gateway to Christmas Carol uh, if you want to introduce it to your kids. This is a pretty good one. I like the animation. I think it's beautiful uh, in its own style. I th- I actually I like the songs. I think they're pretty, mm-hmm. and uh, you know all the voice work is solid. And uh, you know it has that that uh, sentiment of somebody uh, being redeemed and changing. And uh, so, you know, that's what you need a Christmas Carol.
0: <laughs> I think another group that it might cater to is for people who maybe grew up in that time, even if they yeah. haven't seen this, it just, it feels really nostalgic for that time period in the sixties, like the animation and the music, especially just, it feels distinctly sixties and yeah. not so that it feels like it would be really nostalgic for people who maybe grew up in that time or have watched a lot of specials or TV from that time? Who yeah. Liked the cartoon.
1: Yeah, one of my friends, uh, when I did my review, uh, she, uh, her name is Christine Pl- Pluvier, she said, uh, today's computer animation may make the cells look downright primitive to some new viewers, but the artwork is charming in its simplicity and often beautifully sublime. Every time I see it, I notice another tiny detail that amuses or impresses me. It does have a couple of slow moments, but that's also characteristic of the pacing of the story as Dickens wrote it. Animated feature presentations and the primetime animated programs are really written for adults because most of the script goes over most kids' heads. Children can usually only be notice bright colors, recognize pratfall jokes, and remember occasional musical pieces. If you look at animated shows that are actually written for children, you'll see the contrast. She says, I never failed to tear up when I hair alone in the world and winter was warm. I think it's strange that they never became hits. So there you go. <laughs> so you're right. I think it does have that nostalgia factor as well. Yeah. But definitely. I think it's it, it, it earns it. It's quality. It's, mm-hmm. it's well done. And uh, I think I, uh, you know, if you if you're curious about the origins of razzleberry dressing, <laughs> then uh then check it out. I think you'll like it.
0: Yeah. I definitely enjoyed it for what it was. I don't think it'll be like a classic for me personally, but I would definitely recommend it for people who are into animation or for people who really like that decade in entertainment. Yeah. yeah. bright blessing, and knowing we're together, knowing we're together, heart and hand, we'll make the whitest Christmas, the very brightest Christmas, a
1: Christmas far more glorious than grand.
0: Thanks to Rachel for joining me on all these conversations over the years. We always have so much fun talking about movies. We'll definitely have her back in the future to talk about more obscure versions of things. In the meantime, if you want more from her, I'll have her links in the description below. And make sure to check out the podcast from July for more Christmas Carol versions with Rachel. Next time on the show, my friend Eli Sands will be back. We're going to be talking about a version starring someone we just talked about today. In 1971, there was an animated version also starring Alastair Sim. Rachel introduced me to his 1951 version in live action, and Eli introduced him to me in animation. It's always fun to talk animation with Eli, so we'll see you next time on every version ever. Merry Christmas!
1: Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us.